Appreciate that song. Thank you, man. Take your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Appreciate the privilege to be able to come up and speak in chapel this morning. Appreciate Pastor Van Gilderen allowing me to come and Pastor Jim. I remember uh, I was youth pastor for about 29 years and then I finally grew up and became a senior pastor and decided, hey, that's a little different. And I remember when I was in Denver, Colorado, we had Dr. Jim with us with the war. I had just come to the church, and we had this, I heard this thing was coming on, and I had heard about it before, never been a part of it, and we had the biggest group he's ever had. We had 120 teenagers at the war in Denver, Colorado, and it was amazing. We had so many decisions and so many kids to contact, and it was like overwhelming, but it was wonderful. It was great, great opportunity. But uh, appreciate the privilege to come and speak to you this morning. I want to speak on maintaining joy. You know, time of the year, you'd think everybody has joy, but a lot of times people are missing joy. And uh, I, I thought, well, I, I was praying about what the Lord would have me preach, and I thought, we'll go ahead and look at this. Let's take a look at... Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, then we'll go to chapter 4, verse 11. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one of mine, on one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man unto his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, took upon himself the form of a serpent, a servant, not a serpent, get that right, servant, and was made in the likeness of men, being found in the fashion as man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. Then go over to chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Maintaining your joy. Let's pray. Father, Pray that you just speak to our hearts today. Lord, we're thankful for the joy that you give us. We're thankful because of salvation. You've offered free salvation to all who will come to you, repent of their sins, and turn to you for salvation. That brings true joy to our hearts. But sometimes in our life, Lord, we understand we go through these struggles and the joy seems to be removed. Pray, Father, that you bless our time together around your word. May everything that's said and done, you get the honor and the glory, for you are worthy of that. 
In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read you a funny story, so if you don't laugh, this is going to be bad. No. <laughs> anyway, it's about a bricklayer, and it is a funny story. Maybe you've heard it before. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel using a pulley, which fortunately was attached to the side of the building of the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, loaded up the bricks into it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding tight, ensuring slow dissension of 500-pound bricks. You note in block number 11, the accident report on the form, I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise of being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my present mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded rather rapidly rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met a barrel coming down. <laughs> this explains the fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowly, only slightly, I continued rapidly ascending, not stopping till my fingers and the right hand two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my present mind and was able to hold tightly onto the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom broke open of the barrel, dropping the weight of the bricks to about 50 pounds. I refer again to my weight in accident report form block number 11. As you might imagine, I began rapidly descending down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounted for two fractured ankles and laceration on my legs and lower body. I encountered the barrel slow enough, slowed me enough to lessen my injury when I fell upon the pile of bricks. And unfortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand, watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my present mind and I let go of the rope. <laughs> How can a person maintain their joy in, in this type of thing? <laughs> you know, it's a funny report, but it's good. I thought, you know, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and encouraging them in the Lord. Remember, Paul's writing the letter. Where's he at? He's in prison, in Nero's prison. I want you to think about it for a moment. When you're discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're downhearted, are you going to write somebody a letter and encourage them? Usually you don't. Usually you throw this party and you invite three people. Me, myself, and I. And it's called the pity party. And you're, you're not thinking of the needs of others. Paul was thinking of the needs of others as he wrote this. Paul had real joy. He expresses it about 19 times in this book one way or another. Christians need to have joy. The only way to maintain joy is by being in God's will, 
Young people and, and adults here today, listen, the greatest privilege is to serve the Lord. It is a great privilege to serve the Lord. It is, it's a blessing, it's an encouragement, but it is a privilege to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm telling you, I love being in ministry. I loved working with teenagers for years. Now I'm working with older people. I just call them the older teenagers, you know. They're a little older, but, you know, we have a great time, and I'm thankful for that. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. There are four key ingredients to maintaining joy. And we must understand there are many things in this life that really want to rob us of our joy. They want to take away the joy. This morning, I'd like us to identify some of them, and I'm sure there are many more, and maybe the solution to the problem. Number one, I want you to see, the first joy stealer is circumstances. Circumstances. Can you control your circumstances? Really? No, you can't. I can't control the weather. If I want it to rain, I'm going to wash my van or my truck. And I'm going to realize it's going to rain, you know. It happens. You can't control circumstances around you. You can't control traffic. Driving up here, traffic. I thought, oh man, I just got on the highway and all of a sudden they're all on their brakes. And I'm like, oh great. It's going to take me a while to get up here, but I actually, it cleared up and I'm thankful for that. You can't control those things. Can you think of any other things that are circumstances? Maybe you could talk to me. I, I like to talk to the congregation once in a while. What are some other circumstances you can't control? A what? A big test in school, that's right. You can't control when your teacher decides to throw this test in. Maybe it's a pop quiz. You're not sure when it's going to come your way, and all of a sudden, by the way, we're going to have a quiz today. Oh, no. Circumstance, you can't control it. What else? Anybody else? Yes. Yes, you can't control the family God gave you. That's right. You can pray for them and encourage them. You can't control that. There are many things out there, circumstances, like to rob us of our joy. It can steal the joy away. What, what should we do? How can we overcome this? By having a single mind. The answer is by having a single mind, a single focus. James chapter 1, verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, we're going to kind of go through Philippians. It's not just one passage we're going to look at, because... Paul wrote this letter to encourage the people. And I love the book of Philippians because it's talking about joy. Paul is in prison, not the ideal circumstances. Paul, though, had a purpose. Go to chapter 1 and verse 12. He gives us his purpose here in Philippians 1.12. But I would, under, I, want, I would ye understand, brethren that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul looked at every circumstance, everything in his life as, okay, here's an opportunity for the furtherance of the gospel. It wasn't about him. It was all about the Lord. Paul had a plan. We find that in verses 20 of chapter 1 and Verses 21, let's look at it. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, 
but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. His plan was this. Everything that happens to me, everything that comes my way, every circumstance in life, I'm going to look at as an opportunity to share the gospel. I want Christ to be magnified. I want Christ to be enlarged in my life. I want Him to have full glory of whatever happens. Because I'm not my own anymore. I'm bought with a price. Paul then proclaims Christ. He had and a captive audience who was with him there. He had prisoners there. Hey, they couldn't go anywhere. Captive audience to preach. Most of us would be complaining, oh, great. I'm doing all this for you, Lord. All these things, and here I end up in stocks and bonds and, and end up in the prison. Paul didn't look at it that way. He looked at, hey, here's a captive audience. These people can't get away. I can preach to them. I can share what Christ has done in my life. Not only did he have the prisoners there, he also had the guards, captive audience. Do we look at our circumstances and complain about every circumstance? Do we look at those things and let it rob us of our joy? Paul says, don't let it rob you of your joy. Have a single mind. What is your focus? Why are you here? What is your purpose here for today? Why are we here left? Why aren't we just saved and then taken to heaven? Lord's got a purpose for us. Hey, what about you? Are you staying positive in your circumstances? Are you looking for opportunities to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ? Enlarge Christ. Make God look great in the eyes of the world around you. Hey, if our Lives can only be happy based on ideal circumstances. We're going to be miserable in life because those things are going to come our way. We can't control those things. Circumstances can take away our joy. Have a single mind. Number two, I want you to see the second joy stealer is people. Have you ever lost a joy over people? Come on, let's be honest, okay? what people have said about you, what people have done to you. I mean, really, people can be a pain, can't they? Hey, the ministry would be great if I didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> you ever heard a preacher say that? That's true. But you would not have a ministry if you didn't have people. And you've got to love people. You've got to love God's people. I always teach our people at, at church you got to hate the sin and love the sinner. That's a tough thing to do. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Ministry to people. You know what? A pastor must have a love for his people. That's a special calling. He must love his sheep. He must take care of his sheep. He must care about his sheep. Showing that love. So what's the cure for this problem with people. Have a submissive mind. Have a submissive mind. Let's go to chapter 2. Look at verses 1 through 4. We looked at it earlier, but let's take a look here. 
He says, there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there are any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of, and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Having a submissive mind. We don't always have to have our way. We can give in. Submitting to others. Statistics say that 75% of pastors who go through a building program will leave a church because people are complaining about one thing or another. Can you imagine that? Maybe the color of the carpet or maybe something not done right. That's a sad scenario there. Christ is our example. Let's take a look in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Look at what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." What an example. He went to the cross. You remember he prayed, Father, if, this be, if, if, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Let this torment. He already knew what was going to happen. Going to that cross, how the suffering would be. Father, if it's your will, would you allow this not to happen? But he was willing to go in your place and my place and die on that cross because he loved us. He obeyed the will of His Father. Christ was our example. We need to be like-minded. Submit to others, as verse 2 says. Be of the same mind in the Lord. Take a look at, let's go over to Psalm chapter 33. I like this verse. Maybe you have this verse memorized. But Psalm 133, I'm sorry, did I say 33? Psalm 133, look at verse 1. The Bible says in verse 1, Psalm 133, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a wonderful thing to have a spirit of unity. It's a wonderful thing to have a spirit of unity on the campus. It's a wonderful thing to have a spirit of unity in a church. We are bonding together. We're looking past our differences. We're looking past our weirdness sometimes. We're looking past those things and saying, hey, you know what? We're all here to do one thing. We're here to serve God. We're to honor the Lord. A spirit of unity. It's a sweet spirit when there's a spirit of unity. We teach our young people the only way to have joy is by putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Jesus, joy, starts with J, others, O, 
yourself last. Thirdly, I want you to see the third joy stealer is things. Coveting. Hey, we live in a very materialistic world. You may have heard the expression, the difference between men and boys is the price of their... You heard it. Yeah, their toys. We are in a very materialistic world. We do. We live in this. Christ warns a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesses, Luke 12, 15b. What you work for today, someday you're going to give to someone else. People work hours and hours to gain extra money and have land and possessions and stuff, and then they die and they leave it with someone else to enjoy. The Bible says, lay not treasures here on earth. We know where your treasure is, your heart is. He who dies with the most toys still dies. Hey, you never see a U-Haul truck following a hearse. You just don't. You can't take it with you. You've got to get your focus on that. So what will be the help? What will help us not lose that joy? Put on a spiritual mind. Put on a spiritual mind. Have joy in spite of things. Take your Bibles, go over to chapter 3 of Philippians. Look at verses 19 and 20. Philippians 3, 19 and 20. This is talking, the first verse is talking about the lost. And maybe before you were saved, this is your mindset. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, whose mind, earthly things. See, that's the problem. We have a, a mindset of this is all there is. So I'm going to just live for today. That's the world's mindset. But then look at verse 20. For our conversation or our lifestyle is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life changes when we, when we met Christ. Our whole outlook changes. Our future is in heaven. I like the song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Listen, there's a lot of nice things out there, but those nice things in the pursuit of that will really rob you of your joy. We need to pursue the eternal. I like what Jim Elliott said, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Don't let things possess you. You see, normally we think those things, we possess those things. We own those things. But don't let things possess you. Look at materialism like God looks at it. Earthly treasures just will not last. Nor do they satisfy. We're entering Christmas season. And I find it kind of interesting. I've got grandkids and and uh, young ones, and, and you give them a gift, and they'll open it up. And what do they do? They don't play with the toy. They play with the box and the paper because that's cool, you know. 
But what happens to all those nice things? You don't hang on to all those nice things. It doesn't last. It doesn't bring real joy. It can rob us of our joy. Number four, I want you to see the last joy stealer we'll look at today is worry. Worry. This is a big one. This is a big joy stealer of all. Worry can make a person physically and emotionally sick. What are things that Christians worry? Let's talk about this. What are things that Christians worry about? Now, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about Christians. What do Christians worry about? You guys don't worry, do you? What do you worry about? What do we worry about? Exams. Why would you worry about that? Your teacher's kind-hearted. We'll give you a good grade if you've studied hard and you've been diligent, right? <laughs> what else do we worry about? Anybody? Yes. Yes, we do. We worry about what people think about us. What else? Finances. That's probably number one answer. Everybody's worried about, well, how am I going to make it? How's this going to happen? That's, what else do people worry about? Health. That's right. I had a rich guy, a rich man. He's a, he's a multimillionaire. Tell me I'd rather have health than wealth. And it makes sense. He had a heart transplant. He actually went in for a surgery and ended up getting a disease that actually literally killed his heart. And he was on a transplant, and he got a transplanted heart. He's been living about uh, eight or nine years now, but he has to take all kinds of medicine because his body's constantly rejecting someone else's heart. I told him, you need to get saved because your heart's not, that man's heart might not be saved. No, I was just kidding with him. So, but, uh, you know... <laughs> But he said this, he said, you know, and he is a born-again believer, by the way, so he is, and, uh, you know, he said that statement, and I thought, yeah. What else do we worry about? I saw a hand up here. Yes. Yes, we do. We worry how are we gonna, how are we going to minister to people? How are we going to meet needs? That's a huge thing, and God can help us do that. Anything else? What else? Time, yeah. Worry about time. Time flies, doesn't it? Especially when you're having fun. All right, so, <laughs> but listen, those are things. Our health, our finances, worry about our country. Worry about, who am I going to marry? You ever worry about that? Don't worry about that. God will provide. What's the solution then? We need to have a secure mind. A secure mind in Christ. Secure mind in Christ. Our security is in God. It's not in our wealth. It's not in our country. It's not in our military. It's not in living in America. Our security is in God. When God is present, all fear is gone. Take a look at Philippians 4, 5. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is where? At hand. The Lord is at hand. He's present. I remember as a young boy, my dad was a big man. He was six foot three. All my brothers, and except my, I've got an identical twin brother, Tim, and uh, we are the short ones in the family. My brothers are all tall. They're over six foot tall. My dad was like six foot three, big guy. And anytime I was with my dad, if I was walking anywhere with him in the dark, in the woods, or in the streets, in the alleyways, I was not afraid. My dad was a big guy. I remember one time my dad pastored over 50 years, and, and I remember 
uh, they were doing this hayride, and these teenage boys, these big guys, football player guys, were gonna, deciding, thinking they're going to throw my dad off the wagon. And I laugh at that. My dad was big. And he took each of them, lifted them up, and held them up in the air, and they're like, okay. <laughs> they threw them. <laughs> they went flying off themselves, and they didn't try that again. Hey, listen, when God's present, all, when God is present, all fear is set aside. All, all fear is gone. Psalm 56, 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What are you worried about, Christian? When we have the peace of God to keep us. Take a look at verses 6 and 7 of chapter 4. Be careful for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your what? Hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have the peace of God to keep us. We have the power of God to protect us. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's not my strength. It's the strength that God gives us to enable us to do what we're supposed to do. He enables us to do that. Then not only do we have the peace of God to keep us, the power of God to protect us, but we have the provision of God to meet our needs. Look at verse 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He, we have the provision of God to meet our needs. Have you had one of these joy stealers robbing you of your joy? Circumstances, have a single mind. People, have a submissive mind. Things, have a spiritual mind. Worry, have a secure mind in Christ. Take a look at Philippians 1.6. We'll close with this. Philippians 1.6. He says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is a promise you can stand on. Started at salvation. Now, if you don't have Christ as your personal Savior... You're missing out on the blessings and the joy He offers. The joy of eternal life, the joy of living this life and serving Him. I'd like our heads bowed, our eyes closed, please. I just want to challenge you with this. Hey, is the Lord working in your life today? Maybe you've been struggling in one of these areas or maybe another joy stealer that's taken away. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you. You say, Pastor Loggins, would you pray for me? God's working in my heart. I have not had joy, or I've had one of these joy stealers robbing me of a joy. And I'm asking, you just pray for me, and God would help me get over this and trust Him. And I want a life full of joy. How many would, by raising your hand, say, Pastor Loggins, that's my need? All right, many hands, many hands. Thank you. You may put them down. Let's pray. Father.